With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some time ago, I asked you. I asked you who you would like to know more about, living or dead. And I got some good answers. And actually, I'm going to ask that again later on tonight. It's going to be a topic. We'll make another list. But one of the names I got was Amelia Earhart. And I was very happy to find a guest, Ansi Nara, who is Professor of Humanities at Champlain College in Vermont, visiting Professor of Humanities, John Cabot University in Rome. Thanks for being with us, Nancy. Hi, it's nice to be here. So before we get into Amelia Earhart, let's talk about you. And you, uh, I'm curious as to how you parlayed your career into being able to teach in Nice and Rome. You've managed to have an international career. Well, there there is such a thing as luck, I must say. Um, But I've, I don't know, it's... uh, it has to do with languages, which have always been very interesting to me, and so I pick them up. Uh, it's a hobby, you could say, or it started out as a hobby. And then meeting people and having opportunities and deciding to say, all right. And that's how it happened, that I was able to spend quite a lot of time outside the United States. And sometimes... It was sort of 50% here, 50% there, but um, always you know, glad to be back in New England when yes. I'm on this side of the ocean. That's one of the great things about going away is coming home. How did you happen oh, to get, boy. How did you happen to, uh, get a, a deep interest in Amelia Earhart? Oh, boy, that, uh, that goes way, way back. Um, I grew up in Maine. And my stepfather was a a pilot, but not the way people usually think of a pilot. He was an aerial photographer, and he worked for a company of consulting engineers, and they took pictures from the air that could be used for surveying. Uh, Some of the pictures he took um, ended up being Highway 95. He did the surveying for that. Um, A lot of work for lumber companies, and sometimes he had uh, contracts in faraway places. And sometimes he let me come as uh, cargo, you could say, which lets me identify with Amelia Earhart on the transatlantic flight where she was just cargo. But as as a kid, I would be in the back of a Piper Cub, which was not designed to have somebody sitting in the back. And for aerial photography, you have a very big camera that is pointed at the ground. And for this very big camera, there has to be a very big hole. And there's a little tiny space around the edge of that camera that if you're sitting back there, you can look through the edge straight at the ground. And when you're a kid, this is thrilling. So I got to see a lot of Maine. from the back of a plane with my knees under my chin and years later found out that Amelia Earhart had made a much longer and a significant uncomfortable flight 
in the back of a plane like that. So, of course, I had to find out more about this woman. All right. Before we get into her early years, let's uh, just get an overview of what she's famous for. Let's just identify that, and then we'll go back and walk through her life. Well, if you can find out about any uh, contest or any speed record or any record that had to be broken that she was allowed to try for, very important to keep that in mind, but any record at all, she would break in, in, in an airplane for speed, for altitude. Sometimes she ended up breaking her own records, um, flew across the United States, east to west, uh, first time a woman had done it, it was terrific. Uh, she did it very fast. Uh, a year later, she, she or not long later, she flew back east from the west and improved on her own time. For example, um, there uh, for a while there were experiments with something called a gyroscope, which was a uh, we could call it a proto helicopter. It could go straight up and land straight down. It didn't catch on because the uh, technology at the time couldn't really make one that was safe. But while they were figuring that out, she tried it and she broke records in that. So if there was a way to get into the sky, she wanted to try it and uh, there was no stopping her. I think, well, probably the biggest thing was, uh, you know, what she did for women in the time where it, when you read the story of Amelia Earhart, you're reminded about what a backseat role women had at the time. It was really sad. They just, you know, wouldn't let women do stuff, and somehow she still did it. Well, I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that because that's exactly what she was working on more than anything. And there's a long, sad story, well, partly sad, of her whole life up to the time she started flying planes, when she could see um, doors being slammed in the face of smart women. Her mother was one. Um, it was, it was a, a question of opportunities. That there were things that women were not allowed to do. So, of course, nobody knew they could because they, they weren't even given a chance. And it's interesting that so many of the uh, speed records that she holds for airline racing are are all qualified as the woman's record. I know. That's... Female. Well, there's a reason for that, and it's because women were not allowed to compete with men in Amelia Earhart times. That's why. Uh, so it, that still bothers us today to hear about that. Imagine how much that bothered her. One thing I actually am struck by but need to know more from you about to, to see how struck I should be is this is pretty early on. Like she broke uh, the 14,000-foot height for women in, like, in 22, 1922. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. How? When were planes invented? When did aviation begin? 20 years before that, maybe? Um, not, not even. Um, how impressed should you be? Very. Uh, how early was that? Extremely early. She... Uh, if she got in a plane, she got that plane to do everything it could and then a few things that the plane didn't know it could. Uh, she had just learned to fly when she set that altitude record. And part of why it's even more impressive than it might sound to us 
is what we don't see is how dangerous flying was in those early years. Uh, it was extremely dangerous of the uh, flyers who were doing the sort of the test pilot work when all sorts of uh, investigation was being done about finding out a way to have air mail. So pilots were enlisted to try the, the routes that would be used later with letters. Uh, about 75% of the pilots who tried doing that were lost, to use the euphemism. Yeah, so uh, it's it only been maybe 15 or 20 years, let's say 15, since airplanes were just, you know, stuck together with wire and glue and chewing gum to have her, to have anybody uh, doing what she was doing and other flyers were doing, and then even like 10, 10 years later going across the Atlantic. It's, it's amazing to me you, because... You could because when you think back of 15 years now, think back 15 years ago from today, it's pretty much the same. You know, not, nothing really changed that much. But that's a huge change in the world and in airplanes and in the, in the country for in only 15 years. Yes. I mean, we talk about the Internet, and that's a huge, has made huge differences. I'm not, uh, certainly not diminishing that in any way. But... The, these differences that we're talking about with airplanes had to do with something very basic, which is getting a machine with a person in it to not fall out of the sky. I mean, that's, that's really what we're looking at. And that's so fantastic that there were so many people who were willing to try to make that work. When, when was she born? Like turn of the century? Uh, not even, 97, 1897. Wow. And her mother had problems, various problems, uh, problems with husband, problems with alcohol. That had to... Yes, uh, mother had problems with her father, <laughs> with her own father. Uh, the mother was very literate. She started the Dickens Society in Atkinson, Atchison, Kansas. Um, so they read, this was a family with lots of books, lots of reading, lots of interest in keeping your, your mind going. Uh, but she was also a plucky woman, Amelia's mother, and she was part of the expedition to climb Pike's Peak. She did it. Uh, she was the first woman to do it, to make it all the way at the top. And another trait that she had that was like her daughter, Amelia, she was very modest when people said, this is a fantastic thing you did. This was really something. And she said, well, not really. You know, I just like to finish the things that I start. So low-key kind of people who weren't afraid to tackle big, big tasks. This smart mother wanted to go to Vassar. But her father, who was the big shot of the town, said, no, that's ridiculous. Why does a woman need an education? You're going to stay right here in Kansas. You're going to be a, a good local woman. Uh, she went along with what he said. She really thought she had no choice. Um, that man, who was Amelia's grandfather, was everybody called him the judge, and he was the local guy. He had helped bring the rail the railroad there. He was part of the gas company. Um, he was part of local banks. Everything in town, he had his thumb in it. So Amelia, just being in, being in the circle of that man and that family, was kind of privileged as much as anybody was privileged in that Kansas town 
in those days. So she was very confident is the point when she was a little girl. One thing to try to do is uh, figure out how she became attached to airplanes. I read the first time she saw a plane, she was unimpressed. It just thought it was kind of a ru- bunch of rusty wires and metal. And then not sometime after that, some guy in a red, small red plane buzzed her and a friend to try to scare them. And she said yes. that she felt something when that little red plane went by. And then later on, she volunteered with the Red Cross and got to know pilot got to know pilots in a, in World War One, which surprised That's me because right. I didn't I didn't think there were that many pilots in World War One because it was so long ago. I, I I pictured there would be a few planes, but I guess there must have been more. There were more. Uh, the, that first plane that you just mentioned that she said she wasn't interested in, she was 10 years old when she saw that one. And that was the kind of plane that you just described a few minutes ago, kind of held together with wire and who knows what. And uh, it was at a, a state fair, and her father said, would you like a ride on this? Because that was something people could do. And she she wasn't interested at all. She didn't want to know anything about it. It just looked junky and old and no thank you. Well, you know, she was a little kid then. But uh, then in World War One, she was actually in Can- – she went to Canada because her uh, her sister was there studying. And while Amelia was there, and it was in World War One, she saw what was going on in hospitals, and she was – filling in over Christmas vacation as a Red Cross helper. And then after Christmas, she went back to college and a few months later wrote to her mother and said, I can't, I can't do this. I can't stay in college knowing how much help they need in hospitals. There's so much suffering going on from the war. Um, I'd like to not finish. And her mother said, you do what you think is right. And so she um, went back to Toronto. It was a it was a big hospital, and that's where the flyer w- was. Who a recovering British flyer actually? Uh, he, he was the one flying the little red plane because the flyers would get to know the nice young nurses, and then on the day off, sometimes the pilots would show off with their planes. And Amelia was one of the nurses watching this display that was supposed to be very impressive and then he sort of buzzed the group a little bit and they were supposed to well they all from instinct just ran away from the thing but she didn't she wanted to stand there and see this little red plane and one one thing that's so funny about that story is that not all that long afterwards when she had a plane of her own she had a little red plane that people came to associate with her she made her little red plane famous but um, it w- it was about being in Canada at at the during World War 1 as a volunteer uh, but there was a side to it that was not entirely fun she was there in 1918 and that's a year that is famous for a bad reason that was the great influenza epidemic that ended up killing more people than the war had killed she didn't get the flu. She didn't get the influenza, but she got a very bad sinus infection. So the the way to deal with that in those days was a very painful surgery with a long recovery. And while she was recovering, she went to be with her mother and sister, who then were in Northampton, Massachusetts. And as as a patient, 
and a recovering patient, Amelia was very impatient, bored out of her mind in Northampton. So she found out that there was a course on engine repair. And she thought, this is my kind of thing. I would love to know about engines. I would love to learn everything about engines, to know how, how they work, how to fix them, everything. And so she spent weeks and weeks in this small this mechanics course. And years later, that proved to be very, very significant for her because an engine was an engine. Uh, she understood different kinds of engines. And that was worth her life at some point. And then uh, at some point, she... She finally took a ride. It was at an air show in Long Beach in 1920. That's right. Um, she was in Long Beach. She was visiting her father. Her parents had been together, not together, together, not together. And for this time, they were trying to see if they could work it out. She was out there, and California was the place to be because there were a lot of air fields. Nobody said airport yet, but there were air fields, and they were fields where you could land a plane. And every single weekend, there would be air shows at these. And Amelia, who was so crazy about her father, whom she never got to see enough, as far as she was concerned, um, she said, well, here's something that would be fun to do. We could go to an air show. And after she went to the first one, she wanted to go every single weekend. And so they did. And at one of those shows, she went up in a plane for the first time. You could go um, 10 minutes for $10. And that $10 then is worth something like $125 now. So to spend that much money for 10 minutes, you you would think twice about it. But her father could tell how enthusiastic she was. So he said, sure, you can do it. She did. And she knew this was, this was the thing for her. She wanted to find out more about this. She wanted to learn how to fly. I have, I have to ask you this. It may be inappropriate, but I'm going to ask anyway. By today's standards, Amelia Earhart, very attractive. Was she considered very attractive then? And Because that would have a lot to do with the success or failure of someone, someone who's a woman, correct? Well, I don't like to agree, but I have to. <laughs> um, Back yes. then, at least. Oh, we, we could go for a long, long time on this one. I've got to tell you, I've read a lot of the newspaper coverage of, of Amelia's flights from the very beginning. And there isn't one that does not talk about her looks. But one of the things that they all say about her, uh, she was considered good-looking, by the way, but what was considered significant by several people, including the man who married her, was that she looked like Lindbergh. It was the funniest thing. So many people looked at her, and the first thing they said is, oh, my goodness, she looks so much like Lindy. And it's true that uh, they were both tall and thin-ish and had the same kind of eyes and the same manner, which was sort of looked a little bit shy, but not shy that you don't want to scare them to death, shy that you know that it's not easy for this person to do all the things that he or she is being asked to do. So a little bit reserved, but people found that charming both 
when they were talking about him and when they were talking about her. But if you saw the two of them standing side by side, you could think you were looking at brother and sister. It's it's really odd. It's very, very odd. But yes, she was considered good-looking. Um, some people considered her beautiful. Um, there's a photograph of her that's the cover of... Uh, well, actually, of the ebook that I did, and it looks like it could be a cover of Vogue magazine. And you see, oh my goodness, it's it's Amelia Earhart. But in the stories about her, then um, they all talk about her in relation to the other women. And in so many of these stories, uh, especially one I'm thinking of called Ruth Elder, the story says pretty much she's a very good-looking woman. And she can fly an airplane. Imagine that, a woman who can fly an airplane, and she's also good-looking. So, yeah, that was a very big deal. And when Amelia made one of her first flights that you and I will talk about in a minute, uh, one of the comments that was made is uh, that, well, but she won't do anything theatrical that they said after okay. the flight. And I thought and I thought, that's a crazy thing to say. But then I found out, well, it really wasn't because another early woman pilot actually made a couple of movies. All right. Not flying a plane. We're so. running slow low on time, so I guess I have to speed okay. things up. So in uh, okay. she took her first ride in an airplane in nineteen twenty and then only a year later she bought the plane, and then only a year later, she did the world record for female pilots. This is from zero to record in two years, then in 23, three years in time, she became the 16th woman to be issued a pilot's license by the Federation Aeronautique. But her mother ran out of money, and uh, that yeah. she ended up coming to Boston, which is significant to Bostonians. This, that makes this local history. <laughs> Yeah, her her mother ran out of money more than once, uh, but there was also a very big inheritance that kept saving the day again and again. So uh, they were all right, and then they were not all. It was sort of less all right and more all right, uh, not really destitute or anything like that. So, for example, when Amelia needed money, one of the things she had to do was sell her plane. She sold the plane, bought a car, drove her mother back to Boston from the West Coast because her mother wouldn't agree to fly in, a, in an airplane across the country with her daughter. Uh, so she went to Boston, worked as a social worker, and then what happened is there was a plan to have a, f a flight across the Atlantic one year after Lindbergh had done it. Lindbergh did 27. 28, there were some promoters who wanted to have a woman go, but they had to get the right kind of woman. They needed a woman who could meet aristocrats in England when they got to the other side um, and who could hold her own. And so th that's when Amelia was interviewed. She passed the interview. She got the job. And um, there you go. She was. But they the wouldn't let her fly. Back. She had to be baggage. She had to be baggage. Uh, that was a technicality. They were probably right. Um, in pilots, you'll hear pilots talk about flying on instruments. What that means is sometimes when you can't see, you have to fly exclusively looking at what the instruments tell you to do, not from what the world looks like to you. And to, be, to get a license to do that, you have to log a lot of hours. She hadn't logged enough hours to do that yet. 
Um, so she couldn't, but they probably wouldn't have let her anyway. And she probably uh, shouldn't have then. Uh, right, right. Had... It wouldn't have been legal. Okay, and did they make it all the way, or did they get only part way? What happened? Um, well, they they crossed the ocean, but they weren't where they thought they would be. They thought they were in uh, maybe in Cornwall, maybe in they weren't sure exactly where they were. They were in Wales, um, but that's okay. They got there. Um, nobody got hurt. It was not an easy flight. See, for for that first flight, the, there were the same problems that there were for every single flight of Amelia's whole life. It had to do with information. It had to do with communicating between the plane and the ground. Uh, when she went to England, there was no way that you could be in a plane and and send a radio message to people on the ground. They didn't know where they were at one point. They saw a ship. And something that pilots would do sometimes is send a, get a message down, a note uh, to people on the ship asking, where are we? And then on the ship, in very big writing on the deck, they would put their coordinates. And so then the people in the plane who could see that would know where they were. Uh, they tried this in the plane. The message missed the boat. It didn't get to the people. They didn't know where they were at all, but they made it. And she was very offended when she got there because she got all the attention and she hadn't flown the plane. And she thought that was so unfair because she hadn't done the, the hard work. Now, she did. Did she do a, a solo across the Atlantic, make it really make it all the way herself? She really did. She did that in 1932, which was five years after Lindbergh had done it. And that was a very rough flight. But she made it. She made it to uh, North, Northern Ireland, right? She made it to Ireland, right, right. Um, but that, w that she was lucky to make it alive. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh, it was it was very bad luck. Again, it had to do with information about the, the weather. Um, her altimeter quit. She didn't know how high she was. So then when when she was in cloud, she didn't know how close she was to the water. Then she had flames coming out the back of the plane. And so she was deciding, you know, do I want to try to climb to get away from the water and maybe burn up too much fuel? If I go too low, I'm going to be in the water. So she ha And she couldn't see. So it was a very, very rough flight, but she made it. So and after... Sorry, things, sorry. Some of those same things happened on her final flight, but I, I hope before we finish that we get a chance to talk about the plane that's been found because now I do believe her plane has been found. Okay. For a long time, I didn't think so. So in order to make time for that, what we'll do is sort of speed ahead, and I'll say after the, her transatlantic crossing, she did all kinds of other things. She flew across the Pacific, and then the big plan was to fly around the world at the equator. And right. she... Got a bunch of money. She raised the funds and then went partway and, and had a, a problem with the plane. Had to start all over again and had to go back and earn more funds. And finally, she did manage to get it together and took off. But right away, there are all kinds of problems. And we'll let you pick that up when we return in like three minutes. And you'll talk about Great. that flight. And then you can sp spend as much time as you want talking about the what plane has been found. Okay? Okay, good. WBZ. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We continue with Nancy Nara, professor of humanities at uh, Champlain College, Vermont, talking about Amelia Earhart. Now we're at the point where she's, she's on her final journey, and things go wrong right away, and you can talk about that and the well, the theories about what happened to her and what you feel is the actual plane that may, that may have been found. Okay. Well, it's important to know that she had a super-duper plane for this flight be- before she'd been on a not huge plane. This one had to be very big because it had to carry enough fuel to get around the world. And it was also a plane that was called a flying laboratory because something she was after was to get information that would help pilots on long routes because she understood where aviation was going. You were going to have pilots making longer trips than they had made before, but what would that do to the pilot? So she uh, she had lots of reasons to do that. Purdue University, which did everything they could, they hired her to teach in a program out there for careers for women, but they gave her the kind of plane she needed. So she was getting a lot of help. This was terrifically expensive, and with their help, she was able to, to do as much as she was. But the fir- first time when she started, she wanted to go, uh, starting in California, and go toward Asia and come around that way, but that really wasn't working. She had big plane troubles. So she decided to fly from Oakland to Miami and keep going in that direction. But when she flew across the United States, she hadn't told people yet that she was going to go around the world, but that was the beginning of it. So if if you're with me, she got to, yep. uh, got to Miami and kept going. And she had a navigator with her who was supposed to be really terrific, um, as long as his Drinking wasn't a problem, and that may have been part of the problem at the end. That's one big factor that um, there's there's a little bit of disagreement about what exactly happened toward the end of that flight. And in New Guinea, uh, she, Amelia was calling her husband to tell her that tell him that uh, they were running into a little bit of personnel problem, and that sounds like that was code for the navigator. So we'll never know now. We will never know because they didn't complete the flight. They didn't come back. For a long time, people searched right around the little tiny island that she was aiming for called Howland Island, which is a half a mile by a mile and a half. That's its dimensions, trying to see that in the Pacific Ocean. Um, But what people think now is that before she got very near that island that she figured out and her navigator figured out that they didn't have enough fuel to make it. And that at that point, instead of of trying to go all the way and risking it, they did a very smart thing, which was to go back to where there was an airport where they knew they could land, land safely. And I am now convinced from all that I've heard and read um, and seen that that is exactly what happened. And there's a plane now that has been found back uh, closer to the New Guinea end of things. Uh, they have found a plane. 
It's under 100 meters of water. It's exactly the kind of plane. It, it's it, There are only two planes made with by that company, by Lockheed, with big gas tanks. This is one of them that's under there. And there's a suitcase in it that has the initials GP on it. Amelia was married to a man called George Putnam. And I think she would have had that. That suitcase, I'm sure, has in it postal covers, uh, special envelopes that she was signing and addressing and sending from different places. And they had they were selling these, and she and her husband were selling them. That was one way they were going to recover expenses. If anybody could ever open that suitcase, I would bet that they're going to find it full of those envelopes. I hope they do continue to believe that that's the real one, and I hope they will try to open the thing. So uh, instead of called, trying to go yeah. to this island, you feel right. like before there, was the, there were like three things that could have happened. Number one, they just went into the drink. Number two... They uh, somehow made it to an island and just continued to live as natives right. or something. And and the third one right. was captured by the Japanese. But this is an entirely right. different thing where they, you feel they headed back to the airport they knew about. No. Did they initially make it to that airport and then crash later, or did they just not make it to that airport? They didn't make it to that airport. Okay. They, they crashed into the sea, but they crashed into the sea when there was a terrific thunderstorm, and there was a kid on the beach who saw what happened, who saw a plane, and uh, one of the engines was looked like flames, and he saw a plane go into the sea, and he saw uh, two people uh, climb out of it. After the plane was floating in the sea, and then after a while, the plane sank. And he told people, and nobody believed him because nobody had heard the crash because of the thunder and lightning storm. They couldn't hear it. But uh, then in 1996, divers found the plane that I've been talking about. And th that kid was an old man by then, but people believed him finally that he hadn't made it up that a plane really had crashed it was right where he said uh but so they know, found this plane been, in 96 it's been what 23 years or something like that uh why didn't they pull oh, it up since that yes yes it yeah that's right it, it had been no he saw it in 1937 and in 1996 they found it so, so where is it now have they in the water? So how come they didn't bring it up? It's doesn't. It's only a hundred hundred meters down. Well, first of all, they had to have a reason. Well, it was Amelia yeah, Earhart's to, plane. I think I would think. Yeah, but, but but that takes people believing that. All and right. right now, you you won't you can't oh, get everybody okay. to go along with it. The Lockheed says, well, we won't rule it out and we won't rule it in. But Lockheed was also backing a different expedition. The wow. one that I'm talking about is called Project Blue Angel, uh, and they've got a, a, wow. a good website, Project Blue Angel. And I think that it's only a matter of time before people agree that, yes, that's the one, and then people will talk about right. bringing it up. And I'm sure you know the Smithsonian and groups like that will get involved. It's terribly, terribly exciting that she made it that far and... You should go there. You should go to that area just to see what it's like. That sounds like yeah. something you'd do, actually. Yeah, it it sounds absolutely wonderful. So, all maybe these, you could do this. You could learn to dive, 
you could take scuba diving lessons and you yourself with some experts could go down and look at the plane and see and see if you thought it was the oh, that's plane. A, that's a great idea. I think they're going to have that decided long, long before I'm going right. to be there in my diving suit. Well, thank you so much. Where can people see this? Oh, e it's fun. Tell me where people can get the ebook. Your uh, e -book. You can get the ebook from Amazon. It keeps getting changed every time I see it, but it's still there. Um, notice the cover, this beautiful Amelia Earhart picture. She, she was the aviation editor for Cosmopolitan magazine. Come on, how funny is that? Is. Uh, she, they never had another one since. So, what would this folks search on Amazon for your ebook if you were to search? Uh, put Amelia. And uh, my last name is spelled N-A-H-R-A, -A, and that's how they would find it. Bingo. Well, thanks for putting that together, and thank you so much for all the time you spent learning about Emily Earhart, and then all the time you spent sharing it with us. Thank you. Oh, well, it was fun. It was fun. It was great. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Bye -bye. Have a good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.